Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 244 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? Fine. Is this how we're starting the show off? Hang on. Wait. No, no, no. You don't have to cue anything up. I'm, I'm not mad. Not do we mad. need a new, Do we need a new sad boy jingle or something? I don't know. I guess it's just. <laughs> I don't. One of them, Joe. I could have lived with one of them, but two of them get pregnant in in like forty eight hours. Yeah, like, man. How? How? Let's, well, do, when a man loves a woman very much, I don't, I'm sorry, this is how we had to find out, Adam. So what they do is, the man takes his, you can stop me at any time. Stop, stop. I don't, I don't, <laughs> this is the first time I don't want to imagine either one of them doing that. Oh, why? Like, no, it, it hurts, Joe. It does. Because, like, you know, there's those delusional people out there that think they have a chance with celebrities, like... I pride myself in never being one of them because I actually had a shot and, <laughs> and uh, it's, I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to do anymore, Joe. I, I, I it, just years and years and years of doing this bit. I mean, having, having this loving committed relationship with, with the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the WWE, Alexa bliss and the face of women's wrestling, the face, the face. And, and now, you know how, how difficult it is to be, like, the new dad that swings in, like, I gotta buy the kids toys. Like, I don't want to yeah. do any of that. This is muddy in all the waters. You could just give them some of the toys that you already have. Uh, I guess five doubles. <sighs> it's just not how I planned on starting my week, Joe. Well, I- I'll say this. H- has Obviously, one would assume that this has caused a major shakeup in the Adam Van Top Ten. Well, that's the thing. I have to decide, like, previously I had excluded people when they ceased to be active, but now this is this is taking some heavy hitters off the top of the list, so I might have to amend the rules. Right. And, like, allow people uh, who are on hiatus to be on there, which also means I could bring Billy Kay back in, so it kind of works for everybody. But I don't know if I want to reward bad behavior like this. It was just, it was so funny too because I guess when and obviously if you, you know if you're aware you're a new listener or whatever um, both Alexa Bliss and Tay Conte announced uh, that they are with child this week and when the Alexa Bliss announcement came out <laughs> my timeline was just flooded with people <laughs> checking on you to see if you were okay because it's like like again what are the odds that both of those gut punches would happen like in consecutive days. Yeah. We were at the, at DJ's compound when the Tay news hit and like, I barely was able to make it home. Then I had to like, I, I, I and then, and then like, it wasn't the next day, but it was the day after. I don't know. It all blurs together. I'm in a, I'm in a haze. And then the Alexa bliss news hits like mm-hmm. kick a man when he's down. Uh, God, well, luckily, I don't have those problems because, you know what I mean, I'm not a member of the Council of Greece, you know. Yeah. I, I don't have, um, you know, I, I, I've i never had that sort of obsessiveness as a bit or not, you know, uh, with women in wrestling. You know, like, I guess Francine would be the closest, but I was 18, so 
You know, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just thank you to everybody who reached out in support and uh, checked on me in these troubling times. And uh, I'm just going to have to get through it day by day, you know, one day at a time. All right. Uh, I'm going to be on uh, Between the Sheets this week. If that'll uh, help you feel any better. <laughs> the, the One of those kids will be born by the time I'm done listening to that episode. <laughs> well, it's, it, you know, obviously it was a more recent um, topic. Um, Chris and Bix, they have a 10-year window. Um, you know, they'll only do something back as far as 10 years. And what are their patrons paid for them to cover this week specifically? And it's something that we've actually covered on the podcast here quite a bit, you know, both in the main show a couple months back when we were doing the Chikara shows leading up to this, but also on the Patreon show uh, with the interviews with Ian uh, and Derek Sabato in regards to, you know, the shutdown angle of Chikara. And I was only on for that segment just to talk about that. I think that's about two and a half hours. Jesus. Glad you held back a little, Joe. Right. And... Well, so there was a lot of just clarification because there was like bits and pieces of stuff. And I'll say Bix is a master with the Wayback Machine to find things out, you know? Yeah. So it was just like me like having like eh, like 65, 70% fuzzy details in regards to some sort of things. And Bix able to pull up what the website looked like at the time to be like, oh, well, you were wrong about this and this was close. And do you feel with this? And I'm like, yeah, okay, it's been 10 years. You know, that fills in those gaps. But, um, you know, if you enjoy my appearances on there and you can't get enough of me, Monday morning it'll be out there live. And uh, did I mention it on... Uh, I mentioned it on Longbox Heroes, but I pretend that there's no crossover audience with those shows, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll tell this story here as well. Um, so we're, we're doing the show... And Bix has his screen share up, and he like he'll you know if you've ever listened to Between the Sheets, they'll watch like a moment or whatever it is, and he pulls up the finish um, of the main event of the Never Compromise show, and then as Chris is reading like the account in the Observer of what happened, he gets to the point about as it's reported in the Observer that one of the fans did a flying body press at the door and broke the window around the door. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Bix pulls up a very famous picture of that moment, right? Mm-hmm. And Chris dies. He goes, oh my god, that's the show image. That's fantastic, right? <laughs> so I say to Bix, I go, hang on, let me send you the better quality version of that picture. Because <laughs> of course I have it on my phone and on my computer and everything else like that. Uh, so as soon as like there was a lull in the conversation, I messaged that person, who's a listener of Between the Sheets, and I said, uh, hey, you're the uh, show image for uh, Between the Sheets this week. <laughs> nice. And I do have that picture as well. I have, uh, I, I believe you also helped me upgrade the Google version. Yeah, you know, I had the, the lower res at one point. But uh, no, congratulations. Big time, uh, big time move from that person, you know? That's right. No spoilers as to who that is. But if you know the picture, then you know what we're talking about. Exactly. And you'll find out in a couple of days when you listen to the Between the Sheets. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so enough of other shows and Adam's tale of woe or woe of tale. Let's get into our show, huh? Yeah, woe of lack of tale. <laughs> and now, Add Odds with Wrestling presents 
This Day in Wrestling History. All right, let's turn my volume down a little bit here. All Come, right, you do that. Coming a little hot in my own headphones. Headphones? Um, yeah. I, no, come on. I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a goddamn professional. Uh, so on this day, wrestling history in 1996, uh, ECW held the event entitled Fight the Power. Okay. Uh, this did not get a commercial release. Um, this was mostly chopped up for TV. Um, if you look at the results there, they do a gimmick, which was similar to what they had done just about seven or eight months prior with Two Cold Scorpio, um, who, so, and again, no, that what they would do later this year with Two Cold Scorpio, my apologies, I forget that they did it here first with Shane Douglas, where Shane Douglas had just won the TV title at the previous show from Two Cold Scorpio. He comes out and he challenges a bunch of people. He beats them all in relatively quick succession. And then it gets to Pitbull 2, who had just lost a harrowing battle with Raven earlier in the night for the world title. And then Pitbull 2 beats Shane Douglas for the TV title. And this is the beginning of a a program between these two that would continue to barely legal a year later. Okay. No, I remember uh, one of the few things from ECW that I, I vaguely remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is also the continuing rivalry between Tom Dreamer and Brian Lee, uh, where Brian Lee is choke slamming Tommy Dreamer from higher points uh, in the arena okay. to culminate uh, in the October high incident scaffold match where the ring is full of tables and they are wrestling on the rickiest, shittiest scaffold you'll ever see in your entire life. And that was used in the uh, opening credits, DCW, for a long time, right? Right, right. Um, But this this one particularly was, if you've ever been in the ECW arena for any time, um, I guess I don't even know how you even get in there these days. Let's say if you've been in the ECW arena anytime prior to like 2014, okay. the, the main doors that you would come in through, there was like a little like uh, seating area above there. And they had stacked up three tables in front of the main entranceway. Brian Lee chokeslams Tom Dreamer off that through the three tables. And it's one of those things where like, First table breaks, second table breaks, third table explodes, right? Mm -hmm. It does not break in half. It just blows up into a million pieces. Um, I was there. uh, It was myself, my friend Brian, and my brother Tony. And I very quickly said to him, he goes, he goes, I want a piece of that table. I go, here are the keys. Go grab it and run. Because he was a little (laughs) kid. At the time, he would have been like 15 or like 13 or 14 maybe. Okay. So I just gave him the keys to my car, and he and he up until he passed uh, several years ago, he had that half a table uh, in his apartment. Now let me ask you this: You mentioned like get the table and run. Yeah. Would they have like? Were they selling them at gimmick tables, like the pieces? Where, like, no, but like more of a modern thing. It, I I think um, if me as a teenage, like as a twenty something, grabbed the table, they would have probably stopped me. Because it was part of something that did you hear the story a couple of weeks ago on uh, we need wrestling 
where DJ picked up Juice Robinson's tattered shirt and one of the yeah. security people made him give it back? Yeah, no, I heard that. Yeah, right. But that's why I'm thinking, like, because nowadays we're in the era where people are, like, uh, selling everything, whether it be the promotion or the wrestlers selling on eBay or whatnot or whatever. It just seems like it would be an afterthought that 20-something years ago – close to 30 years ago that like somebody would think that who gives a shit we're just going to throw it out anyways you know I, i'm sure there would probably be someone like oh that might be worth something you know who knows right yeah but i wasn't taking any chances sure um also on this show is taz versus jason helton i don't know who that is uh but it was a match to build up the upcoming shoot fight that taz was going to have with the polar bear paul varlins <laughs> Uh, Paul Varlins is somebody that I've never heard of before ECW. I've never heard of him after ECW. But like that one commercial that just kept on building and building that Taz versus Varlins match yep. made it seem like he was the like he was like Mike Tyson and Fedor Emelianenko like all rolled into one. Um, that is, uh, that is uh, true. Paul did a very good job of building these people up. To make them seem like a big deal, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now, there's one other thing that happened on this show, and I wonder if it's online. Because yeah. if it is... Now, the... I'm going to roll the dice here on the... Uh, the, uh, what's it called? The audio quality of this, okay? All right, let's get nuts. So, just at the previous show, if you remember, um, it was revealed that the Beulah was not pregnant and that uh, Beulah was cheating on Tom Dreamer with Kimono Wanalea, who was with Raven. Uh, they both went with Tom Dreamer because he's hardcore. He'll take them both. Mm -hmm. So even though he's the world champion, Raven is a little bit down in the dumps. Okay. Let's hear it. <laughs> was um hiv uh riddled crack addicted whore is what's <laughs> out there all right <laughs> Call to do anything 
Ben Brown just recently, like literally recently, after Grand Slam. Also, Baron Brown has no idea how to get in the way. moment in ecw history all right this is gonna come as very little surprise to anybody i've never seen that before Re- they play- it was on tv i i if i saw that i have no memory of it like that mm-hmm. I-, I kind of remember raven saying the whole she hasn't been with enough men yet or enough yeah. people yet but like i don't remember her and i don't remember her unable to get in the ring or w- able to walk around in the high heels that's all I don't know why. I feel like that would have jumped out at me. <laughs> you would think a very memorable moment. That's why I saved it for last from that uh, that event, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, so we flash forward 1998. We have our Raw versus Nitro head to head. Um, go listen to the Patreon from last week. Patreon.com slash at odds wrestling, which I did plug on between the sheets. Oh, nice. Um, I might have said at odds with wrestling and Bix corrected me. <laughs> ever doing a journalism there that right uh so we re- we reviewed uh over the edge which was the pay-per-view just the night before uh obviously the raw does recap what had happened uh at the pay-per-view the night before uh with a little bit of a different uh twist on the recap last night's shallow victory by <laughs> stone cold steve austin was overshadowed by concern for the condition of WWF owner Vince McMahon. (laughs) Under the specter of The Undertaker, who stood guard at ringside, Steve Austin and Dude Love fought a brutal, but yet a fair match. (laughs) However, in one sheer act of incompetence, Dude Love nearly decapitated Vince McMahon. And the valiant McMahon lay motionless, Austin covered Dude Love and in one of the most selfish, heartless, and cruel acts in history, took McMahon's very own lifeless hand and counted himself to victory. Steve Austin won the match, but will forever be stained with the label of being the most undeserving and cold-hearted WWF champion of all. <laughs> Last night. I love that. <laughs> that was awesome. Well, again, that wasn't all we got out of Vince on this episode of Raw. Um, There was a little bit more of a tribute to him uh, as well. 
As the leader in sports entertainment, the World Wrestling Federation is proud to be at the forefront of charitable and humanitarian causes worldwide. For more than 50 years, the McMahon family has carried on a time-honored tradition of sharing their portion of the American dream with those less fortunate. <laughs> Led by Chairman Vince McMahon, the World Wrestling Federation now extends to more than a thousand employees, each who continue the spirit of giving to charities like the Boys and Girls Clubs and the Special Olympics. As the WWF continues to grow into the next millennium, so too will its tradition of compassion and giving. I love that they use Vince's charitable good deeds to build him up as more of a heel. Yeah, like a great on-screen character and a philanthropist. Like, whatever happened to this guy? He seems awesome. <laughs> I think uh, those still shots of those chair shots that he took from Mick uh, might be where that man went, right? Oh, that's a shame. Uh, but one pay-per-view down, another pay-per-view left to go. Uh, this Raw sees a bunch of King of the Ring qualifying matches. Uh, we get a number one contenders match on Raw of Kane versus The Undertaker. A match that they just did at WrestleMania less than two months ago. And now it's just like a throwaway nine-minute match on Raw to determine who's going to wrestle Stone Cold at the next pay-per-view. All right. That, I mean, um, they, they do that nowadays constantly. It's Monday Night Raw right after a pay-per-view. Let's run the match back. Yep, but that's like this is kind of like the beginning of that, you know? <laughs> like, we are in full swing of the Attitude Era, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and this is also the debut of the Godwins as Southern Justice, uh, Double J's heavies, uh, as they're just you know, they, they rehired Double J back from WCW, and they're just really trying to figure out a way to get him to connect. And it's going to take about another two and a half months, but we're going to get there. Yeah, and they switched them to their shoot names, right? For Southern Justice was like um, Mark Canterbury and yes. the other guy. <laughs> Dennis Knight and Mark Canterbury, yes. <laughs> All right. Hey, I got 50%. Um, but again, over on, uh, the competition over on WCW Nitro, uh, it's another three hour Nitro, uh, we get the, uh, continuation of the Chris Benoit Booker T best of seven series to see who the number one contender for the TV title, uh, would be, which are all really good matches, you know, uh, whatever your opinion of Chris Benoit is hopefully negative. <laughs> um, there's a few out there. I thought you were going to um, say whatever your opinion of Booker T happens to be. <laughs> oh, come on now. Um, now, I'm torn on what to play next, because both are going to be very long talking points, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you pick. Are we doing this one, or are we doing this one? Do the, that one that's on the screen right now. Okay. So I'm going to say this moment that we're about to play was the legitimate end of WCW. All right. Yeah. It's a main event of and Luger and Kevin Nash, Wolfpack, against Giant and Hollywood Hogan. From the upper reaches of the MCI Center, here he comes. Very slow. <laughs> Slowly descending. <laughs> As he has so many times. Sting on hooks. A good look will tell you, yes, that is the real Sting. Didn't go to his friend Luger at all. 
You notice that? It is decision time here. Let's see what he's got on. He's got an NWO. He's got on the block and the white. Oh. My God, he's got on the block and the white. And look at Hogan celebrate. Look at this. I never see this. Sting hugging Hogan. No, he doesn't. Oh, the betrayal. Sting decked Hogan. I love this. Sting is going to slam the giant. I just like nothing. 513 pounds of the giant. Hold on. He's getting rid of that black and white right now. Trying to, at least. Sting takes off. Sting's, Sting's got, he's got the red and the black. Sting, he's joined Nash. He's with the black and red. There's no doubt about that now. Sting is on the Wolfpack side. Sting is a member of the Wolfpack. Maybe the strongest organization going today. Can you believe what we've seen? They're hoping, holding back Hogan and the Giant. Savage is coming. Conan, Kurt Henning. And Sting is in the Wolfpack. Let me say it again. Sting is in the Wolfpack. And Hogan is beside himself. Now, why okay. was that the, the, the demise? Because I remember that being awesome. All okay. the coolest people were in the Wolfpack. So this this event is taking place at the MCI Center in uh, Washington, D.C. Do you know the significance of that building, Adam? Of course I don't. That is where Starcade happened just six months prior for the Hogan-Sting blow-off. You know, Sting, the defender of WCW for the previous year and a half. Mm. And now, all of a sudden, Sting is even toying with the idea of joining either NWO. By this point, Sting joining the NWO Wolfpack has now made WCW... You know, the company in which all of this is taking place on seemed like the third biggest deal in the company. It's NWO Wolfpack are the baby faces, and all the coolest guys are in it. NWO Hollywood is Hogan, eventually Scott Hall, and then, like, a bunch of nobodies. But still, because it's Hogan, it's the number one thing on the show. And then WCW has Goldberg and DDP, and that's about it. And Booker and Benoit and the cruiserweights. But they're okay, right? But they're not fighting for the top of the card. They're not the main event faction. The main event faction is the faction that has been trying to take over the company for the last two years has now splintered into a babyface group and a still heel group. And now the biggest defender of WCW has joined the babyface faction of the group that's been trying to that he's been fighting against for the last two years. Yeah, but that's like saying the WCW, I get the whole like NWO came in as their own product, as trying to represent themselves as their own brand. But saying the WCW is the third like brand on WCW's programming is like saying if you tune in to Dynamite, you know, Blackpool Combat Club is the number one promotion, the Elite's the number two, and then everybody else is number three. Has like, there been a Blackpool Combat Club sold-out pay-per-view yet. Well, not yet. Okay. <laughs> Did 
Blackpool Combat Club or the Elite or House of Black or any of these things come into the company as an invading faction trying to take over the show and rebrand it as themselves. Not counting Collision, which we'll get to later. (laughs) Other than the outcasts, no. But again... (laughs) I, I get what you're saying, that it seems an odd choice for Sting, a staunch defender of WCW and anti-NWO. But by this point, the end, the concept of the NWO had been so diluted that it really was just, here's a heel faction, here's a babyface faction. But, you know, so I don't see it as this invading force anymore. And that's the other problem as well that it was no longer the invading force. Once Hogan was defeated at Starcade, the NWO should have ceased to exist. And I get that NWO was a popular brand and now you could sell twice as many shirts because now one is black and white and one is black and red. Mm. And that's the main focus for it. But by putting Sting in either one of those factions, just completely, I think, destroyed not just for me, but a lot of people that had been following the product and following the company. It made no sense for Sting to join any iteration of the NWO. Maybe it was because I wasn't as big of a Sting fan, you know, as the rest of you guys. But when I whenever something that I liked got better and I liked the original NWO. So when it split off and all the cool people were in the Wolfpack, I obviously liked the Wolfpack and them getting a big name like sting, you know, even I recognize that, Oh, that's a big win for this stable. So it's just like, it's when you, one of your, your favorite sports teams makes a big free agent signing and you're pumped for it. That's kind of how I saw it. So maybe I wasn't looking at it from the grand scheme of things and saying, okay, this does hurt the, uh, the, the non NWO talent, you know, because their biggest guy just affected, but you know, I was just looking at it in the moment. So I didn't see it as this thing that was ruining the company. I wish I knew more about real sports to put in some sort of analogy to make it make sense in the way that it makes sense in my head. Mm. Would you be okay with Tom Brady being on the Steelers? Uh, Tom Brady, like, in 2023? No. Tom Brady in his prime. Oh, sure. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's... And again, I think that's the line between the type of fan that you are and I am. And uh, just win, baby. See you later, Ben. <laughs> I guess. Hold this clipboard for the golden boy. <laughs> I mean, can't, uh, got, to be honest with you, I mean, obviously, peak, like prime Tom Brady doesn't hold a candle to 2023 Kenny Pickett. But that's another story altogether. Kenny, right. by God, Pickett. Sorry. <laughs> I, I have no one to blame but myself for bringing up real sports. <laughs> At least we're not talking baseball. Right. But uh, there was a silver lining to all of this. Um, You know, as much as the downturn of WCW is happening right before our very eyes, there was one thing that was still holding my attention on WCW. Uh, Again, of course, we talked about it a couple weeks ago uh, when we watched the clip from Spring Stampede. Cruiserweight Battle Royal, Ciclope unmasks as Dean Malenko, defeats Jericho, his rival for the Cruiserweight title. Jericho has been telling anyone that'll listen that he's a conspiracy victim, even uh, holding up signs that say so. (laughs) And because they're in Washington, D.C., Jericho takes it one step further. 
J.J. Dillon, you wanted it, you got it. You dared to challenge me. You said I needed evidence. I'm going to give you evidence. I came all the way to Washington, D.C. to get the jurisprudence that you need to give me my bell back. And J.J. Dillon, someone here will definitely listen to what I have to say. Look at the suit he's wearing. Looks great. Just looks great. This conspiracy is bigger than I thought. <laughs> no one will listen to me here either. They must be together with Dillon. They got to be. This is ridiculous. Excuse me, fellas, who can I talk to to go over J.J. Dillon's head? I don't know, but you're going to have to leave. You're telling me I got to leave? You have to leave now. Okay. Easy, guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you're in on the conspiracy, too, aren't you? His wife would have had no problem getting past Apple security. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, now we're getting somewhere. He was doing the scouting 25 years in advance. Clarence Thomas <laughs> talked to his law clerk, and I know she'll give him the message. And when he has a chance... He'll definitely have a meeting with me. I just know he will. <laughs> battle Royal. And all the guys were listed in the Battle Royal. <laughs> Dean Malenko was not listed in the Battle Royal. He was under Final a mask. Homeless person. <laughs> he took the mask off. Surprised me. He beat me for the belt. It's oh, there's the sign. God, I want to buy that original okay, sign. Okay, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of the lackeys. I've had enough of the yes-men. The time has come for me to go straight to the top. I'm going to go inside because I heard he's a Jericho-holic, so he should let me in. Excuse me, sir. I'm America's role model. I need to see the chief. i got to get inside and uh, go over J.C. Dillon's head. I'm sorry. There's no clearance. You're going to have to leave right now. But I'm Chris Jericho. I don't care. You're going to have to leave right now. Thank you, sir. 98. Was this still Clinton or was this Bush? is not Clinton. All right. Clinton won in 96. Ah. Lots of shots of him walking around. Library of Congress. Somewhere, 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 somewhere. Where's the section on WCW title belts? Ah, <laughs> uh. <gasps> oh, he's just the absolute best. Always has been. Always will be. Always will be, huh? Yeah, yeah. Never a blemish on that man's record. Take me back, Chris. Oh my goodness! What what fun stuff this was, and I'm I'm hoping like we're we've got to be a couple weeks away from them starting to like actively sell the uh, Jerichoholic uh, the the Monday Night Jericho shirts on TV, right? Like, like the official ones, yeah, yeah, probably. yeah. And uh, it, this is the first conspiracy victim sign appearance, right? This is the rookie appearance, as far no, as you know. No, so he had done it on Thunder. Um, oh, just the, terrible. you know, whatever the timeline would be, it doesn't line up with our week here, you know? Gotcha. Um, there's a famous picture of me circling the internet of me holding a very similar sign. <laughs> a 12 year old Adam Van. <laughs> I was 18. Yeah, I'm sure you were. It was 98. Uh-huh. I tell people I was born in 90, but I was born oh, in 80. goodness. <laughs> You look like a young child there, but anyway. Uh, but yeah, so that was the, like, that and, like, you know, the Raven stuff was really the only stuff that I cared about in WCW, and the Raven stuff is just, like, the Raven stuff is so self-contained, it does not cross over with anything else in WCW. So, like, you know, you talk about this, like, you mentioned, like, the Cruiserweights, like, the Benoit and Booker and Finley stuff is, like, its own bubble doesn't cross over with anything else. The Jericho stuff is the cruiserweight stuff, doesn't cross over with anything else. The Raven, Saturn, 
uh, Mortis stuff, that's its own bubble. That doesn't cross over with everything else. The Goldberg stuff just is going on, and eventually we're about a month away from the Goldberg stuff finally breaking through to the main event. But that main event stuff is just NWO versus NWO, and it makes WCW look secondary in all of it, you know? Yeah. And I think for me, like whenever somebody left ECW, especially like I didn't feel bad about the cruiserweights leaving or, you know, even Jericho, Rey Mysterio, whatever. But when, you know, Raven or Saturn or Sandman or Whiprack, whenever they'd go to WCW, I'd give them like a week and then I'd be like, this is not the ECW version of them. And I'd lose interest, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I just wouldn't have wouldn't have faith in their presentation. Raven's probably the best of the bunch because he got to be Raven for more longer than the rest of them did but you know what i'm saying it just it wasn't obviously the same everybody was just looking for a payday you know i can't blame them. at least they got the checks probably cleared exactly uh but last but not least before we wrap things up um if there is something to it and it's uh you know not a in-ring segment of course uh we do have to play from this day in wrestling history in 2006 as the paparazzi production stuff grows ever closer. Ooh. Backstage here with Alex Shelley, and point blank, Alex, I gotta ask you. You show up here on the scene, you open up a video production company, you decide to follow Sting and his family around, then you hook up with James Mitchell and decide to stalk Christian Cage. Now you hooked your wagon to Kevin Nash, he wants to show up and help take care of the only thing you helped to create here in TNA, the X Division. What's going on? Now you've hooked up your wagon to Kevin Nash? <laughs> You know what, JB? What I do when I'm off the clock with my video camera is of no concern to you. And quite frankly, I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel a little disrespected. You feel disrespected. That's right. I, I feel disrespected. For everything you've done, you, know you feel disrespected. Utterly disrespected, complete propaganda. Mm-hmm. You can't make him a star. I can. Who you got tonight? Jay Lethal. You got your camera? Ready to go? Uh, actually, a couple weeks ago, I lost my tripod. Mm. Oh, don't worry. I got your tripod right here. <laughs> Later on tonight. Take it away, Christy. <laughs> no disrespect to your Arn Andersons, your Jake Roberts, your whatever. Like, why isn't he? And maybe he doesn't want to. But I think the world needs Kevin Nash as a mouthpiece on TV right now. Uh... Obviously, he's got things that, you know, might preclude him from doing it or wanting to do it. But I just out of a selfish need, I wish he was he did something on national TV wrestling related. Uh, I know he records his podcast on Wednesdays. <laughs> I know he doesn't like to travel all that much unless it's for conventions. If they can somehow line up conventions on Saturdays, wherever, it could happen. It could happen. But in all honesty, in all honesty, Kevin has said uh, recently, of course, um, you know, it's been almost a year, I think, maybe like eight months since his son passed. Mm -hmm. And he just recently started doing conventions in the last like two months. Um, He just doesn't like being away from home right now. Um, Sure. I think if. Uh, there was a company like I'm I'm shocked that I, I know before Scott Hall passed away, uh, Kevin Scott were at the performance center working with Omos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, that was just like a one off deal, whatever it was. 
but I'm shocked that with Kevin being in Florida and the performance center being there that like he hasn't been hired on as a coach. Um, obviously since like his two friends more or less, you know, his one friend runs the performance center and his other friend fake runs the company altogether. Um, (laughs) I I would assume that it's just because he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. No, I get it. Like I said, it's just a selfish thing. I feel like he obviously has a lot more to give on camera, you know? Yes. And I just, I want to see it. You know, I I want, I want to make new paparazzi production level stuff to, to relive years from now. I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So again, busy, uh, this day in wrestling history, lots of clips, but it's a lot of fun clips. Let's get into what we, uh, watched or looked at or read about or whatever in the last week. Where would you like to begin? Mr. Adam? I'm going to take this with a kind of just broad strokes, but the only wrestling I watched all weekend, I didn't watch any of the Saudi blood money show. I didn't watch people tell me that there was an NXT takeover. I don't believe them, but all of us got together and watched AEW double or nothing. And when I was watching the show, I was kind of like, oh, man, this I'm not enjoying this show. Uh, you know, it wasn't one specific thing to point at. But, you know, a couple days later, I look back at it and the Blackjack Battle Royal, I thought was really enjoyable. And I am looking forward to Orange Cassidy versus Swerve, uh, two of the coolest motherfuckers on the planet. I liked the Spooky Boys, House of Black versus the Acclaimed and Daddy Ass. And the latter match was fun. Anarchy in the arena was kind of meh for me. And the Pillars match was also eh. But uh, at least Phil's coming back, so that's that's a cool thing. But we'll might get into that later. But overall, I thought it was a solid pay-per-view. But I feel like maybe my expectations going into these, since they're so few and far between, are so high that like it kind of left me feeling flat. Yeah, so I'm kind of in the same ballpark as you. Um, you know, I think this is, and again, I, I didn't really double check, but let's say this was like the 13th AEW pay-per-view, mm-hmm. and this was probably the worst of them, but it was still an okay show. Not great by any stretch of the imagination, but not bad, you know, for a company that's only four years old. Yeah, I mean, you still had pizza. It just probably wasn't the best pizza. But right. At the end of the day, you still ate pizza. Right. Um, I like the ladder match, of course, um, genetically predisposed to like any Orange Cassidy stuff. But luckily, it was really good. Um, You know, the ending, you know, Big Bill got the shine. They set up OC versus Swerve for TV this upcoming week. Um, We both, you know, I I kind of agree on the ladder match. Um, You know, it could have went either way. But I, I really felt as though... Wardlow being in there with someone like Christian outside of the goofy bit where Arn bit Luchasaurus's thumb. Uh, I think I mentally blocked that out. Yeah, uh, I think this is the beginning of getting Wardlow back on the track that he got derailed from a year ago after beating Max in the stretcher match and then just kind of them not doing anything with him after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Anarchy in the Arena. It wasn't as good as last year's, but obviously what really could beat last year's, like the visage of a bloodied Eddie Kingston coming down trying to set Chris Jericho on fire. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm still waiting for the blood and guts figure of that. Yeah, still- you know, we got that Walmart exclusive Eddie with like a hat and a shirt. Like, why didn't we get with the bloody shirt and the gas can, you know? Yeah, that punk kid, that little piece of shit wheeler, Yuta gets one before Eddie Kingston. That's not fair. Um, yeah, we, wheeler proved himself this week. No, I get it, but um, but I like the 
I like the blood and guts thing. Um, you know, I'm not going to be the person who's going to say that the spot with the young buck and the exploding sneaker super kick was dumb because I'm not, I can't say it was cool or dumb because I don't like the young bucks and I just default to everything that they do sucks. Well, I can tell you, I will consider myself a neutral party on this because I, I used to be a huge fan of the bucks. So I, I've mellowed on my fandom over time, but like I'm definitely more neutral than you are. I really like the Matt Jackson spot where he, once the boot was removed, he had to step on the tax. I thought that was sick, but the exploding shoe thing, I thought that was cringe, you know, so that I'm an impartial body on that. So mm-hmm. take that for what you will. But overall, you know, I, 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 I won't watch an NXT um, anymore. I kind of, quit that cold turkey back in October and I never looked back mm-hmm. and I think I'm better for it. Um, I did watch some of the Saudi blood oil money show. <gasps> you hypocrite. I know you absolute uh, hypocrite. I, I heard w- it was high art. That's, that's <laughs> the word that's making its rounds around Twitter. Okay. Um, and this is the, you know, we talked maybe like a week or two ago that like the bloodline storyline is, uh, like this be all end all thing. It's the greatest story ever told in the world of professional wrestling. <laughs> and these are people that haven't watched the first professional wrestling they watched was the CM Punk pipe bomb. Sure. Or, or, or barring that edges world title run on SmackDown. So there's <laughs> minimally 20 to 30 years of professional wrestling. They just have no knowledge of whatsoever. Well, I mean, the acceptable jumping on points for wrestling, everybody knows, is either 1990 or the Edge title run or right. the pipe bomb. Yeah. Uh, Attitude Era could have counted, um, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, the match itself was good um, with Roman and Solo Sokoa against Sammy and Kevin. Uh, it's still weird watching um, Saudi blood oil money shows, but they actually had, like, progression in the angle where Jimmy was the one who kind of took the shot on Roman after they screwed up and accidentally super kicked solo and ended up costing Roman the title victory of winning the tag titles on the 1000th day of his current title reign. So they're doing something, Mm -hmm. but this is not a knock on Jimmy or Jay Uso if we are building to a match of one of the two of them or both of them as a team against Roman and solo, I it's a tag team. I'll give you, but a singles program to headline a pay-per-view. I don't see it. You could say main event Jay Uso all you want, but it doesn't make it a real thing. Yeah. And Roman has been built to this level that like it, could it be anything other than a squash? Sure, it'll be presented as a maybe a 60-40 match, but like there's nobody on the planet that thinks that even with both of the Usos getting involved that they're going to beat Roman. And if they did somehow do it, you're like throwing your hands up in the air being like, what did we just do the last two years? Exactly. But no, I, I only saw like the uh, the clips of the finish, you know, with the miss super or the botch super kick on solo. And like you said, uh, Jay turning on Roman. But, you know, obviously I laughed at all the the uh, the pro WWE stuff and all the people laughing at the pro WWE fans and whatever. So I didn't I, I figured I got enough of it from Twitter. 
Um, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, I'm I, I know there's people out there that are gonna dunk on other people for their opinions, negative or positively. And if something funny comes across my timeline negatively or positively for WWE or AEW, I'm going to retweet it. But I'm never going to go into someone's mentions that comes upon my timeline and start bickering with them about how they're wrong and I'm right. Your opinion is your opinion. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that have very strong opinions in regards to certain wrestlers. And it's not my, like, you know, outside of one or two. But, like, I have a lot of friends that like the Young Bucks. And I'm not going to get into it unless we have that comfortability that we could play back and forth with it. But, like, the fact that strangers do this to each other over wrestling still, it still never feels right to me, you know? Yeah. Well, honestly, I'll take the arguing over wrestling over other things on the Internet. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, like I said, I didn't check out the pay-per-view. I did a quick fast-forward through Raw just to kind of see where they were going with certain things. And, uh, yeah, still not for me. But, you know, if that's what you're into, have fun. But I'm out of the Bloodline stuff. I think uh, I'm, it's still well done, but it's lost me, you know, for what that's worth. Not that I was, like, other than my subscription to the cock, I wasn't exactly contributing financially to the company anymore. Oh, and toys, I guess, yeah. Never mind. I'm contributing way more than anybody else. I, I think we're in the same uh, the, the same ballpark there. So, yeah. anything else you want to... Uh, I'll just say real quick, just uh, I have two quick things. I'll do one of them. Uh, back to AEW. Uh, Don Callis and Takeshita, you know, they had the little bit at the end of the uh, Anarchy in the Arena, but then they had the promo on Dynamite. Um, you would swear that they were piping in booze and maybe they were, but like that was the most super mega nuclear heat I've heard on live television in a long time. And, uh, kudos to the two of them. And just the fact that, yeah, it's very cliche, but just to have Takeshi to yell at the crowd in Japanese just automatically brings out like the, the jingoistic, like response from the crowd. Like I thought it was a very good heel promo. Yeah, so the Don Callis heel promo, whatever your opinion is of Don Callis the person and things that are that he's alleged to have done and you know whatever NDAs legitimately have been signed in regards to those sort of things, you cannot take away from what an on-screen performer he is. And as good as that promo was that he cut on Dynamite before the pay-per-view, they put AEW put up on their YouTube channel like this 11-minute sit-down interview with Jr. and Don Callis, which was the less screamy. Uh, more subdued version of that promo mm-hmm. and it was really good and i'm like oh he's like he's, he's making a lot of good points he's the baby face <laughs> and all this right <laughs> and as great as that segment was for heat um on tv the only two things i would have um I, that the only two notes i have on this are is i would have um had a plan to try to rush the rush the ring to attack don Callis. okay um, add a little bit more, add a little bit more pepper to this, you know. How about giving them those plastic orange juice cups and telling everybody to crumple them and throw them into the ring? Okay, <laughs> you know, like the, um, get the old uh, Hogan NWO heat. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing was, uh, I don't know if I'm just I'm just noticing it now that he's a baddie, um, but I noticed in the a lot of the close-ups of Takeshita, he's got like a little mole on the bridge of his nose. And it makes him that much more adorable. 
I, I noticed that and I was like, I wasn't sure if that was there before or if it was just to, like maybe he got busted onto the bridge of his nose. I wasn't sure, but I, I noticed it. He's just he's so darn good looking and it's hard to root against him. But Callus will work on that. Yeah, I think it was, it was a snowboy on Twitter. Uh, S-N-O-W-B-O-I-I-I. Uh, he tweeted out a picture and it just said uh, to catch it as a heel. And it was a baby in a devil's costume. <laughs> It just is too adorable to, you know, to be evil. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else? Um, I'll just say I thought Dynamite for the most part was really good. I don't know if you have anything else about Dynamite. Um, you know, we had two weeks in a row of really good Dynamites. The go-home show kind of stunk. Um, pay-per-view was middle in the, you know, was just okay for AEW. So they came back with a hot TV show. And then Rampage, which is taped and I've avoided spoilers on, is like super stacked with a bunch of crazy matches. And of course, everyone's going to nitpick and say it's like, oh, of course, it's a, you know, night of champions and none of the titles being defended uh, are AEW titles. All right. Everybody calm the fuck down. We're like, look, (laughs) the matches are all really cool. You know what I mean? Like, everybody calm down. Yeah. Like, Rampage has gotten to the point where, like, even We Need Wrestling was debating, like, just stopping watching it. You know, and you can almost sympathize with it. So AEW is like, here's a bunch of great matches. And then some people, obviously not Brett and DJ, I'm not implying that, but like some people are, as you said, are like, well, where's the TNT title? Where's the TBS title? Where's the, you know, the not North American, the international championship. So uh, people are going to find something to complain about. Uh, if you have all these people, especially people that aren't often in AEW, put them on the show. That I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I liked dynamite, you know, you got the very natural presentation of Tony Khan, letting everybody know that they still have tickets to sell in Chicago. Uh, so that was interesting. I would have preferred, and I get why they're saying that they did it, you know, but I would have preferred there to be no mention of Pepsi Phil until, you know, the show starts, you know, like, just like at the, whenever he debuted, I forget what it was called, like last dance or. Yeah. First, uh, yeah. So whenever I would have preferred if as the show went on the air, they just hit cult of personality. But I get it. Do what you got to do to sell tickets. Yeah. And I get where they're coming from with this, of course. Um, And they're damned if uh, they're damned if they do, if they're damned, if they don't. Right. Yeah, you, You can't please everybody. And I'm just booking it as me as a fan. What I'd like to say. It was the worst kept secret in all of wrestling that this was the show that Punk was coming back at. Now that it's official, we'll see how tickets actually move, you know? Yeah. They should have just did, instead of uh, Tony Khan announcing CM Punk this week, last week when they announced it was going to be in Chicago, he should have just done an exaggerated wink into the camera. (laughs) That would have been good enough. Right. Uh, um, the only other thing I'm going to say is I believe we both watched the first episode of the new season of Dark Side of the Ring. Yes. Which was the Chris Candido and Sonny episode, the Chris and Tammy. Um, I'll just say that like whenever with most of the subjects of these episodes, these Dark Side of the Rings, I know the broad strokes, you know, I know like of their career. I know kind of where they started. I know how they they ended for the most part. But, like, this episode had some Smoky Mountain clips that I had never seen. It kind of glossed really quickly over WWE and ECW. Uh, And for me, I didn't know about the leg break and how 
him wanting to do a promo, uh, you know, the next day or the next week led potentially to him getting the blood clot and dying. Really? Yeah, I I just, like, knew he died from a blood clot, but I didn't know it was because he went maybe against doctor's orders to, to attend a TNA taping. I didn't know that. But beyond that, I feel like over the course of the hour, not much was said or revealed that I didn't already know, and I don't know much about anything to start with. So it's it's rare that I'm not educated on something when I watch these. I didn't. I'm not saying it wasn't a good episode. I thought it was very entertaining, but I didn't come out of it really learning anything. Okay, I get what you're saying, um, but I think it's a story that is lost to time. Mm-hmm. Whereas, because Chris passed away so long ago, it was a 2006, right? And so much of when you talk about either Chris Candida or Tammy Sitch, it's all about LOL Tammy. Yeah. It's a porno. It's another arrest. It's a drunk driving. It's a younger wrestler now. It's all these things. And I think that kind of chips away at the legacy that Chris Candido had built for himself at such a young age and, you know, before his very untimely passing, you know, was kind of attempting to rebuild. Um, You know, I know I'd mentioned on the show before, but it was late 2004 where, you know, I, I, you know, I had accompanied some of the Ring of Honor students out to the Midwest when they got booked on some of the IWA Mid-South shows. And Chris was on those shows, and Chris would, and again, if you know IWA Mid-South and you know the reputation of IWA Mid-South, you know it's a scumbag indie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Chris showed up to every show in a suit, full three-piece suit, um, helped out with the ring, did everything that he could, and like he was really working hard to try to get himself back into a position to kind of rehab whatever that image that people had of him was. Um, and, and like I said, I think a lot of people just forget that because it's been so long and a lot of people don't talk on a mainstream level about him as much. And, you know, you could sit here and argue and say like, oh, well, MJF does, right? But you can't take anything that MJF says seriously because everything's in character and everything's a gimmick and everything's with like a sly wink that we're all supposed to be in on. You know, when Chris's book came out a couple years ago, um, you know, MJF tweets out a picture of the book and says, book was fine. My book will be better, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I get you're supposed to be doing this in character. But I think if, you know, we got to see, like, a little bit of the real MJF shine through and, you know, it's like, oh, Willie, where's the tights? And he did the the powerbomb off the top rope at the pay-per-view and all these things that Candido has influenced him on. And obviously, he's damned if he does, if he's damned if he doesn't. Some people will consider him a tribute act. But how many people watching AEW today really, you know, know that much about Chris Candido? He was one of my favorite guys. Um, you know, seeing that early Smoky Mountain stuff, seeing him come in, like, the the magazines were all over him at the time. He was, like, the youngest at the time NWA champion. Like, all the old-timers, you're in, like, 1993, 94, your Harley Races and Lou Thez and all those type of people, like, looked at this kid, this 26, 27-year-old kid, and they welcomed him in to being, like, one of the old-timers, you know? Yeah. And he was the youngest NWA champion ever. Um, 
and then he gets the deal in WWF, and like that kind of ends up being a bust. But then he comes into ECW and he has this big career resurgence. But then like ECW fucks him up because they get into it like with the pills and everything else like that. And I don't think we hear enough about like like a lot of times people are like oh LOL somas or LOL booze. And like a lot of people will point to you know Sean getting beaten up by fifteen Marines, you know. And listen, I make jokes about it as well. But like Sean was so pilled and somed up, they essentially beat up a guy who was sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. And just to see how much that ruined Chris's life, um, you know. And then seeing people like Doctor Tom Pritchard, who you know knew Chris you know, from, like, the late 80s, early 90s in his first run in Memphis. Lance Storm, who was, like, his dance partner, both as a tag team partner, as an opponent for most of his ECW run. To see his brother, Johnny, who somebody else pointed out on TV that if you just showed me a picture of Johnny Candido and said, which famous wrestler's brother is this? I would say it's Dean Ambrose, John Moxley's brother. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> But just to see them when they get to that point where they're talking about Chris's last days and just to seeing them all breaking down on camera, I, you know, obviously I, I have a different affinity for Chris, um, but I, I really thought it was a, a powerful episode, you know, and yeah. I, I'm glad that it focused more on him and, you know, how, how painful his life was and his redemption and how it all came crashing down um, and less about like all of the problems of Tammy, which there's a lot of. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I, like I said, it was I enjoyed the episode because they're all well done. And like you pointed out, the reactions from his friends all, you know, having a hard time holding it together. I mean, that's powerful television. You know, I just had a there wasn't anything that like I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know that type of deals, you know, other than like the circumstances of exactly what led to him dying. Um, and I, just to go back, you mentioned like MJF still paying tribute to Chris Candido, but not a lot of people out there talking about him um, prior to this episode coming out. I think that the MJF stuff comes from Myers because Brian Myers is a huge Candido fan. He did one of those extreme conversations about him with, with Candido's brother. So I, I feel like if it wasn't for... Mm-hmm. Obviously, this dark side of the ring, but before that, if it wasn't for how much Myers talks about Candido and drafts his figure in, in the FWF and talks about wanting Candido figures and stuff like that, I, I feel like he's been beating the drum for the last couple of years. But outside of that, you're right. Like, not a lot of people talking about him. Right. And that's a bummer, you know? Um, yeah. And hopefully this gets people kind of discovering more about Chris Candido um, you know, I, I say all the time, you know, whether it be silly stuff or whatever, um, the, I, I think one of the biggest things that, you know, why, and obviously MJF will tell you he's, the, you know, main event heel and all that other jazz, but like as big as a deal as Chris Candido was like his stuff that he did in the ring never looked phony. You believed everything that he did. And as a heel, he always was the butt of the joke. He was always the one who was made to look foolish. Even when it was the triple threat and it was Shane, Bam Bam, and him, Chris was always the one that was like the fall guy. He was the, And he never lost any of his heat because of it, because he was so good and because he was so respected. Um, and like MJF just isn't a character the way that he's been positioned or whatever it is that he 
will or does show any sort of like show his ass in any way, shape, or form, uh, figuratively or literally, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know I think I've mentioned it here on the show before, but it bears repeating. I'll probably include this in the show notes. Um, but I mentioned before going out to uh, those IWA Mid-South shows uh, with the Ring of Honor kids. One of the matches uh, on there was a, an eight-person match, uh, which was CM Punk, Ace Steel, mm. um, Danny Daniels, Matt Seidel taking on... Um, uh, Steve Stone, who was a local guy, Claudio, Nigel McGinnis, and Candido. Okay? Alright. It's a 22-minute eight-person comedy match. Oh, shit. Alright, yeah, I want to see that. And it's hilarious, right? So, I'm gonna make sure that we include that in the uh, show notes. Uh, if you've never seen it before, definitely give it a watch. Um, it's great. It's a fantastic match. Bryce is the referee. Um, you know, you might see me in the crowd because I think the crowd's only about 30 people. Uh-huh. Um, huh. all again, right. Yeah, no, I'm definitely watching that. I'm watching that when we're done recording tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link when you're, we're done. And then I just had to do some readjusting here cause they did change it from the original, um, episode release date to the, you know, the, the release release date. Uh, the next episode is going to be about Magnum TA. Yeah, I saw the commercial for it. All right. Yeah, now that's going to be a guy that I know nothing about. Okay. Other than why he's not wrestling or why he stopped wrestling. That's all I know. Uh, yeah. About and I'll save my comments, discussion, or otherwise for that for next week, right? All right. Uh, so there was no homework this week uh, because there was at least three shows that you had a chance, uh, a choice to watch from, right? Yeah. And there is nothing this week. Uh, so this week we're finally getting the opportunity to watch Adam's homework. That's right. We're going to finally get the closure that we've all wanted, and that is by watching the Marine 6 Close Quarters. And then I have the assignment of I have to do my elevator pitch for the Marine 7, right? Yeah, that's correct. So I I am also going to have one. I know uh, Mass Library is going to have his as well. I believe he said he's going to call in with it. I'm not sure how he's going to get that to us, but he said he has one as well. Um, But yeah, so we're going to present what the next installment of the series would be as well as which current day WWE superstars would appear in that movie and how. Right. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Yeah. So that'll be next week. We'll put up, uh, we'll put up instructions on how to stream legally uh, Marine six and our Patreon. Well, didn't we, um, weren't we informed that the Marine six is on like Tubi or something? Possibly, but that was like weeks ago, and I don't remember. <laughs> and I'll tell you, th- those um, like streaming services, like what's available on them, changes almost monthly. Yeah. Let's see, Marine Six. I'm looking right now. It's thinking. Close Closed quarters. quarters. <laughs> um, it says that it's on Fubo and it's on Crackle. I've never heard of either of those, but. We'll make it work. Yes. Um, if you don't have Fubo or Crackle, um, you would watch them both with ads. I think Fubo, you have to pay for the subscription. Crackle is a free, like I said, with ads. Um, yeah, if you're a Patreon, you'll find it in the Patreon, right? Oh, wow. Sean looks great in that picture. Oh, boy. Spoilers, <laughs> everyone. 
also, Joe, on our Patreon for everybody, even non-Patreons, I uploaded the newest episode of Vintage at Odds, which is us discussing our ECW origins, how we learned about the company, uh, and our first time going to ECW shows. Uh, I put that, it was like a supersized episode, a little bit longer than the normal Vintage at Odds, and I made that public. So oh. even if you're not a Patreon that or a patron, uh, that is available if you go to uh, you know go to adoddswrestling.com slash Patreon and uh, it'll be there. You don't have to you don't have to subscribe, but you know maybe you'll love it and you you will. But for right now, go listen to that free of charge, free ninety nine. Uh, so hey, let's get in some voicemails, huh? Yeah. Oh. Hey there, Joe and Adam. It's the other JB here. Uh, thank you for your recommendations on Bola Nakano, and thanks to the folks at We Need Wrestling. Um, those matches, um, those were great. Uh, fucking kicked ass already. <laughs> so after those, I just started hopping around, watching a couple of odd and end uh, matches in Noah, All Japan, New Japan, and I came across the... Um, the one iconic uh, lamp, um, great Muda um, entrance um, in Hustle, I think it was. Um, that was pretty cool, um, especially, and I think what also added to it was um, Tajiri's face, which got me thinking that I don't know as much about him. Um, I know that he's um, been around a few places, so I'm wondering if y'all have any match recommendations on Tajiri. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think it's easy to say um, any of the matches with Super Crazy in uh, ECW. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there is... Um, I wish I could pinpoint, but I think if you just look ECW to Jerry Super Crazy, you're not going to find a bad match. And then they start doing like three-way dances, throwing Guido in there, and those are all really good. Um, you've probably seen, if you remember when EC, uh, when Tajiri debuted on WF TV and he was just like Regal's like assistant mm. and then for like weeks he was just Regal's assistant and then he asked Regal for a match and Regal finally gives him a match. I think it was against Crash Holly on an episode of SmackDown, right? And the match is good, you know, it's right around what a normal Tajiri match would be. Um, but it's more so for Regal selling Tajiri's offense at ringside is what really makes that match. Okay. I, um, I, don't, I remember him being the assistant, but I don't remember that. Oh, my goodness. Um, let me see. Is that another one? I'm going to do my best to put, like, uh, clips and links and stuff mm-hmm. in the show notes when we talk about shit like this, you know? Yeah, it might be tough with WWE, you know, cracking stuff down. They do a pretty good job at putting some of the bigger stuff out there, you know? Mm. Um, I'm almost certain I'm not going to play um, the audio here, but let me just look. Is this the one? Yeah, this is the one. Okay. Uh, so it's Tajiri vs. Crash Holly from the June 14th, 2001 episode of SmackDown. Um, the match is less than five minutes, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm going to put that in the show notes here as well. Okay. I can commit to five minutes. Yeah. 
that de- definitely worth it. But again, like, like I said, if you just go to ECW to Jerry, super crazy. Um, I'm sure he's had. Oh, you know what's a good one? Um, not a not one of his best matches, but definitely a spectacle of a match where it's uh, Tajiri versus Taz from one of the ECW pay-per-views. Okay. And it's what leads to... It's the beginning of Tajiri's face turn in ECW. Uh, all right. No, I remember that as well. Yeah, it's... I'm trying... My, my memory of Tajiri is very fuzzy, but... Mm. Now, sadly, any of his Japanese stuff, you'd probably have to go ask uh, DJ and Brett for that. They listen. I'm sure they will uh, reach out to you, JB, and give you some of the stuff that Adam and I are ignorant of. Speak for yourself. There you go. Adam (laughs) just likes to keep his Japanese knowledge to himself. I know. And I was also like, this had to be a couple months ago, but I was flipping through the channels and I had to come across uh, an episode of MLW, like a recent episode, and like Tajiri was wrestling on it. And I was very surprised by that. Probably not a good match. No. <laughs> it was like a six-man match, and they, they presented him like a killer, but he, he didn't have it. Gotcha. All, All right, right, next call. Next call. Hey, Adam and Joe, what's happening? This is your buddy Kenny. First time, long time. Uh, oh, boy. Buckle up. Here we go. I will, last week I went to the uh, Jersey City, or Jersey City, right, yeah, South Jersey uh, Boardwalk, uh, walking around a couple different places, looking at some things. I was wearing my sweet and sour Larry Sweeney uh, repro from the good folks at the LVAC. Get those tickets now if you can't. Anyway, can't. Uh, guy spotted me and he's like, is that a sweet and sour Larry Sweeney shirt? like sure is man and i ended up talking to this dude for another like i don't know 20 minutes half hour or so just about all kinds of nonsense with wrestling and it was a good conversation until he until he started capping for people like duck face and dick move guy and the villain and all these other people that belong nowhere near pro wrestling anymore so i was like uh yeah man meet up with a friend for lunch gotta go so uh, that was just weird. But anyway, this day in wrestling history, 10 years to the day that you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, that the one of, if not the most iconic photo in all of <laughs> history was taken with the biggest, baddest, roughest, toughest, meanest looking member of Condor security ever. Behind a piece of shattered glass, and in that reflection was me in an El Generico shirt and a Disco Biscuits t- in an El Generico mask and a Disco Biscuits t-shirt. Fucking A. I wonder if uh, I bump into that uh, big rough and tough Condor security member at the LVAC in a couple weeks. We might be able to recreate that photo. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Get wrecked, pops. I did not know that the reflection of Kenny is in that classic photo that we were talking about earlier. I'm going to have to scroll and see where if I can find this picture. Well, again, you know, obviously, uh, as someone who does and has regularly worn wrestling masks to professional wrestling shows, there'd be no way that'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy in the, uh, the El Generico mask. That's definitely Kenny, right? 
Um, but yeah, the show actually takes place. Uh, it took place on June second. Uh, Ten years will be, you know, as many people are listening to this. But of course, we recorded the first. Uh, but I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, you know, we get a lot into that on between the sheets this week. And uh, that very famous picture is one of the show images that'll be accompanying that when it goes out on Monday. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture right now. The you know what the red T-shirt you know it complements the generico mask. You know that's a good mix. And uh, I tell you what, cargo shorts. I don't care if they're not in style now. I I, I love them. Pockets for days. Can't go wrong. <laughs> good luck, Kenny. Yes, thank you for the call, Kenny. Thank you for the reminder. And that's the thing: when you you roll the dice when you wear a wrestling shirt, or you see somebody wearing a wrestling shirt in public, and you go over and you attempt to share your fandom with that person, I say nine out of ten times everything works out okay. And it's sad that Kenny Kenny got the one out of ten time, where it's someone who's still holding the candle for like every canceled wrestler ever. Yeah, it's an odd crossover there, you know, like to to be a fan of like a really good one and some really bad ones, you know. That's why I'm only a fan of like really good wrestlers like Boar and OC and uh, Broski and you know Josh Bishop. You know all the good all ones. Right. <laughs> Three out of four, I guess. <laughs> all right, next call. Next call. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. Joe, I apologize. Apologizing ahead of time for this. Questions for Adam. It's been a tough week. I hope you're doing all right. Thank you. Two thoughts, Adam. Comment. <laughs> However, your uncancelable self feels is appropriate. One, bless bless and Tay Mello's announcements this week. I don't know if you've noticed, Adam. I don't know your dating history, but uh, mom bod's a thing. You know your post-pregnancy mom bod and certain <laughs> curves and everything that have appeared, and it's beautiful. Are you willing? to go without Alexa Bliss and Tay Mello for at least a year, knowing that when they come back, they might look even better. <laughs> Follow-up question. Um, <laughs> you remove people from your top ten list that are no longer wrestling. And technically, these two are no longer wrestling. Thus, does that mean it's time to do an all-new top ten list soon? Looking forward to hearing the answers. Looking forward to hearing if I'm in trouble for asking them. We'll talk to you later, guys. Bye. All right. I'm going to answer those in reverse. Um, I already addressed the Adam Van Special Top 10, and I think that there needs to be a constitutional amendment to it where we not only allow both Tay and Alexa to stay in there, but also bring back Billy Kay. And I think that wins for everybody. So we don't have to give that any further thought. And as far as your opening thing, uh, uh, no comment. Uh, I'll just say I'm uncancelable, allegedly uncancelable, but I'm not going to test it. So I, I, I will say this. Um, uh, nobody said this per se, but I, I would think that somebody was probably thinking um, mm-hmm. when uh, Sammy Guevara and Tay Mello came out of the pay-per-view. Um, somebody was definitely thinking that she looked a little thicker than usual and she had a plumper face than she normally did. They wouldn't uh-huh. say that publicly but i definitely think people are probably thinking that um i I know that's that people were probably thinking like her last couple television appearances like is something didn't quite look usual you know i'm sure people were thinking that too right they wouldn't say that no they were probably thinking it not into like a microphone or on twitter right exactly thank you for your call kevin 
Yeah. Hey, good luck uh, with you uh, rehabbing your image after that call. <laughs> All right. Next call. Hi, Joe. Hi, Adam. It's Charlie Butters from IW Guide. I just wanted to inform you about this great offer that I have for each of you. Huh. Now you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com and get all kinds of great content. Even better than what you guys have. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but we do have a Patreon now. So I just wanted to, you know, kind of throw it out there since you guys get free advertising on our time. Eh, you know, maybe we'll get some free advertising on your time. Have a good one. Later. Now, Joe, I mean, to be fair, I do call in to their voicemail and maybe once in a while, subtly, like very subtly work in plugs to our Patreon. So I think it's only fair that we let people know, well, like what their Patreon is. I don't understand why you beeped it. I don't know. Listen, that's how the call came in. I don't, huh. you know, I don't preview the calls beforehand, you know, and obviously I would have not played Kevin's call, but again, it's too late now. <laughs> Um, but I, listen, so, however, however the calls come in, it's however I play them. Oh, well, I mean, you know what? To be fair, again, let me give them a full plug. Patreon.com slash. So now I said it, it's on the air. Uh, and again, fair is fair, but, uh, thanks for the call butters. Listen, nobody puts Adam up to calling in to their show to do this. And they, they placate you, you know, far be it from me to, you know, do anything like that, you know? Yeah, I'm, Fair is fair, you know, fair. supporters of the show, you know? Right. So, got to plug them. Next, right, call. next call. Hey, Joe. Hey, Adam. It's Jayhawk. It is a hot but clear blue sky Thursday. I'm checking to see how you guys are doing. I just finished my son's baseball game. He went 0 for 2 with two strikeouts, but he did get a base loaded walk for an RBI. Oh, nice. No batting average this year, but 4-11 on base percentage. You know, I'm not going to... Went too much. Got a good eye at the plate for the most part. But because it's team one, they get to go to Dairy Queen, which is good. But then I don't have to pay for it. The coach gets to pay for it. <laughs> and what am I going to do with the three or four dollars that I'm saving by not buying Dairy Queen? I'm going to subscribe to the Indie Wrestling Guide Patreon. Patreon.com for <laughs> bonus episodes, private Discord, new shows we're going to be doing. I got an interview series I'm working on. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All your listeners should sign up for that. Huh. I get to interact with me on a more regular basis with that private Discord. All right, that's all I got for you guys. Talk to you later. There's got to be something wrong with like the phones or something like that. Like, I, I have no clue what's going on. That that's. I mean, maybe it's something with like calls from Ohio. You know, like I. It could be, but you know what? Again, fair's fair. I do not want those guys to get gypped. Great show, great guys. Marcy's awesome. You know, patreon.com slash. And like, I think again, like go subscribe. And if you didn't hear me, I'll say it one more time. Patreon.com slash. So make sure you go and give those guys a sub. I 100% agree with all of Adam's sentiments. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Jayhawk. Thank you for the call. Next call, pink button time. I think he's calling from Ohio. Let's hope there's no issues with the call here. All it's right. young Ed. 
Hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Um, sorry if this call sounds bad. I don't really know how swell quality is where uh, I am. I'm on my way to uh, Colossal Con to do my panel tonight at 1 a.m. Uh, but I just wanted to give a suggestion to Adam. Adam, I think I found a way for you to make a lot of money. All right. Have you considered the idea of... Uh, Maybe you have a magic power where when you develop a giant crush on somebody, eventually they uh, get pregnant. I think you can make money off of this. Uh, you could pay people uh, that want to have children, like couples that want to have children, uh, to develop a crush on uh, on the, uh, the the birth giver, and you could charge them money to have that crush, and then I guarantee they would have a child. I think this is a great money-making endeavor, and I think if you do it, you have to cut me in at least 12%. Um, That's fair. Watch do love for Stone Cold over the ads. That match fucking rules. I love it. That match is fucking fantastic. That's right. All right, uh, I'm going to head in, and I'm going to go have drinks, uh, and then I'm going to talk about uh, Hayabusa's asshole exploding. Okay, bye. <sighs> Uh, do you remember like that one year back in the early 2000s where Dane Cook was like the most famous person on the planet? Sadly, yes, I do. <laughs> he had that movie Good Luck Chuck where like anytime he would date somebody immediately afterwards, they would get engaged. So like women were just dating him because they wanted to find like the, the right one because they right. knew as soon as they did it. That's basically what Ed is saying. I charge for a service. Where it's like maybe like a, a woman's having trouble, you know, uh, conceiving. They just pay me to fall in love with them. And then they're immediately like 20% more fertile. Oh, okay. But and the then thing is- year, I was going to say years later, they can chronicle my career on If You Catch My Grift. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I know you're going to be surprised by this, Adam. But uh, the film Good Luck Chuck does not hold up. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that, but I I saw it when it first came out, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would never say that you're the Dane Cook of this show. Um, <laughs> that would maybe be a cancelable offense on my my part. Yeah, um, possibly. <laughs> but the problem is where it comes in is this this person that Adam develops the crush on, you know, obviously ha- has to have the want or the need or the desire to get pregnant, but they also have to have a line of merchandise and possibly an OnlyFans or a thereabouts of an OnlyFans for Adam to spend some of that money. So it's like, okay, well, I have dolls and I have shirts and I have one-of-one signed trading cards, and I have cardboard standees, you need to work that into the fee that they're paying you for your expenses. But obviously, if they don't have those items for you to spend money on, then they have to have those items commissioned, which is another expense. But if you want to have a kid that bad, I guess this is what you got to do, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated, like, self-contained ecosystem. It's like Dave and Buster's box, but we'll figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> but hopefully Ed has a good time and stays out of trouble at Colossal Con. Yeah, and hey, uh, the newest episode of Hiya Bussy came out this past weekend. Um, my wife, uh, in the year of 2023, just discovered podcasts. Okay. Um, and I'm doing everything in my power to get her to listen to Hiya Bussy in, to see how long it takes her to turn it off. <laughs> um, and- 
and other people who have just started listening to podcasts. I tried to convince Todd on the most recent episode of Porch Talk to listen to Hayabusa. I was trying to explain to him that like, it is not a wrestling podcast. Right. He, I think I was trying to tell him that it was like the Muppet Show on meth. <laughs> you know, or like, nose beers, but sure. Yeah, nose beers. Co- that's probably what I meant. But like, uh, like it has the frantic energy of backstage at the Muppet Show, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, I tried, but I, he's just dug in too deep on not wanting to listen to non Salty Keith podcasts. Right. Eh, too bad there isn't any more Salty Keith podcasts. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Um, he's moving from Virginia to Florida, so it's going to be a while. Mm. Um, but I, I was explaining the premise of episode two of Hayabusi uh, to my wife in front of my son. And my son, who's 11, seemed very intrigued by it. But he's not allowed to listen. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and I did I did to sell, tell this to Ed. And Ed said, oh, she'll loathe it. <laughs> so he knows his audience, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's smart. It's smart. Um, so thanks, everyone, for calling. Um, you know, obviously, we mentioned uh, earlier with the homework coming up, our Patreon, patreon.com uh, slash at odds wrestling. Um, you could support us there. You can make purchases through our eBay affiliate link. And let me read that uh, very clear verbiage here. When you click on links to various merchants on this site and make a purchase, this can result in the site earning a commission, affiliate programs and affiliations include, but are not limited to, the eBay Partner Network. Yeah. Uh, you could also make purchases through our uh, T Public store. Uh, the next set of sales does not kick off until next week. So hold off until next week. 35% off. Get a bunch of at-odds-inspired uh, stuff on everything from shirts to cell phone covers to notebooks and all sorts of things in between. Sounds good. But you know what also sounds good, Joe? These podcasts. And we already mentioned Hayabusi, so that doesn't get a plug. At least another one. But the other podcasts you should listen to are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, Wrestling Cheers, Wings on Wings, and because there was the issue with the phone line before, Joe... Indie Wrestling Guide, go check out their Patreon at patreon.com slash definitely worth a sub. Uh, now it's time for uh, Adam's favorite part of the show. Yeah, let's do it. Money, 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 money. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. will be bought. <laughs> All right, Joe. I have a very, very large week, but before I get into that, I just want to do like a, oh, a toy adjacent uh, thing that I just want to talk about. Uh, I went this past weekend. I had the displeasure of not only having to leave the beautiful state of Pennsylvania, but I entered ugh, New Jersey. Ugh, ugh. It makes me sick just saying the words, but um, my mom wanted to go to the American Dream Mall, a mall so nice and named after Dusty Rhodes. Uh, shout out Brett or DJ, one of those guys had that joke. But I don't know, are you familiar with the American Dream Mall? 
Um, isn't it the one that has like the big giant amusement park inside of it? Yeah, so it's basically like the Mall of America because it's the same like size and the same gimmick and it's run by the same people, but it's next to uh, where the Giants and the Jets play, like in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. But my mom wanted to go there and I was like, oh, all right, I'll drive you. And went there because I knew that that was one of, if not the last United States Toys R Us. And so I went to take a look at what they had. And I tweeted out the pictures the other day. But uh, uh, that place, it is the most organized and well-stocked toy store I've ever been into. But like, like the shelves and the pegs were filled to the brim. But complete garbage as far as what they had wrestling figure-wise. If you saw the picture I tweeted out, it was literally like... 40 pegs filled to the brim with Shayna Baszler basics, a couple Ember Moons mixed in, but like mm. it was literally like a hundred Shayna basics. And that was it. Like the no elites, no ultimates, no AEW figures. Uh, I don't understand how they pay the rent in a mall that big or in any mall in general, because it didn't look like anybody was buying anything and everything was like well overpriced. Like I think the basics were 20 bucks. And I get that it's you know New York, New Jersey, but like, come on, it's a basic, and it's not even one that somebody wants. But it was cool going to the last Toys R Us, you know, uh, at least like I said in the United States. And like you said, yeah, they have an amusement park there. It's too rich for my blood. I just wanted to ride one specific roller coaster, but they make you buy an unlimited pass for the park, and uh, it was like it was like ninety bucks. And there's maybe five rides in there and like two of them are for adults you know so uh to ride the one roller coaster that was a pass but they also have a ski slope in there they have a water park it's a cool overall mall and i like malls you know but uh how was the food selection what was the food selection like was there Um, arthur was there an arthur treachers oh i should have paid attention to that it was a very very large food court and I don't believe there were any vacancies. It's not like when you go to the Wyoming Valley Mall or the Viewmont Mall and it's just boarded up and like here's an Annie Ann's. Like yeah. there was like here's a pizza place, here's a hot dog place, here's a Chinese food place. Like it was it was filled. So uh, surprisingly, uh, a lot of people at the mall. So maybe that one will survive. Not that I'm in the pocket of big commerce, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, again, I, my mom wanted to go and like, it was just cool going to uh, Toys R Us, you know? Yeah, that, it, it, that'd be interesting just to like kind of relive that since they all closed down around here like four years ago, five years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. And the fact that there's, you know, one <laughs> in like, dr- you know, driving distance, two and a half hours, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, just nostalgic purposes. And it's crazy to think that, like, say, four or five years ago is now nostalgic purposes. <laughs> but here we are, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. Um, and I was going to say, I also just before I left the New Jersey area, I did a quick Google to see if there were any toy stores in the, in the nearby area. Um, I did stop at Zonk's Pop Culture World, which <laughs> is like a toy store that I've seen advertised in the major pod group. I think, like, the owner is a member of the the, the group. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay, I'll swing by there. Um, not bad store. Uh, very, very, very small. Like a, one of those things where like I had a hard time. Like if something was on the bottom shelf, uh, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to see that. Because if I back up, I'm going to walk into a shelf and knock it over. But uh, lots of like Jack's era wrestling figures and like signed AEW figures. But mostly just like vintage video games. So if you're into that, 
not a sponsor, but I figured mm-hmm. I went there, I'd shout them out. Yeah, sure. But weekly purchases, Joe, do you have any? I do. All right, let me do one or two of mine, and I'll throw it over to you just so I'm not taking up the last hour. But I will be quick. I pre-ordered earlier today. I really wish I had set rules on which Cobra bats I would buy. Like, I should have just went with the classic design, but I allowed myself to go down the road of buying all the variants, and here we are. So I pre-ordered the classified series Arctic Cobra bat, which is just a Cobra bat in, like, white and blue. Uh, so I got that coming to me and I also pre-ordered the McFarlane DC multiverse nightfall Batman figure. Mm. Uh, it is not Azrael under there, so it loses some points. It is Bruce, but I figure I need it. I'm glad it wasn't Azrael cause that's, that's, <laughs> well, it won't sell as well, you know, mm. but it's good that there's some Batman figures on the shelves for Christmas season, you know? Right. Of course. What every child wants. <laughs> exactly. What about you, Joe? What'd you buy? Uh, well, again, my uh, birthday has passed uh, since Happy we last day. recorded. Thank you. Um, and my wife did get me um, the new monitor that I wanted for my, my computer. Um, the monitor that I had previously was from 2005. So uh, it was time to get a new monitor. Um, again, it was like, I think it's like 80 bucks or whatever it is. Um, again, you know, whatever the brand name of it's like Scepter, who cares, right? It's like 22 inches. It has speakers built into it, which was like a sticking point for me that I wanted. And it was one of those things like, okay, once my birthday's over, whatever I don't get, I'm just going to buy for myself because I'm a, I'm an adult. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I ended up purchasing my, uh, Blu-ray player. Oh, nice. Busting out that, uh, what was it? Uh, the muscle? Yes. The ultimate muscle DVD. Um, so I purchased that for myself and, um, this past, and this is like the, you know, this is the splurging that I did for myself. So, um, this past Christmas, my kid got, um, a TV for his room. So the switch moved into his room. So it's kind of like cramped quarters in mm. his room. Like he had two friends over this past weekend. And it's like, Hey, we're all going to come go and play a multiplayer game. So now there's like four, five, six people try to cram in his little room. I went, I bought a separate third-party docking station for the Switch for the living room just so that when he has, like, tons of kids over that are all crammed in his room, they could play the game in the living room. My Katamari Damacy re-roll, re-release that I pre-ordered back in February is shipping this week. So when that comes in, I could play it out in the living room. I don't have to go in his room to do it. Um, if myself or my wife want to do the uh, ring fit gimmick, we don't have to, like, squeeze into his room to try to do it. Okay. But again, it's something that we wanted to get for a while, and I researched um, to see, like, what the best third-party one is. Because, like, you can buy a Nintendo docking station, and it's, like, half the price of a normal Switch. So it's, like, 100 bucks for Jesus. a Nintendo-branded docking system. But you can get, like, a third-party one that works perfect, has great reviews, no issues, for, like, $23. Yeah, no, fuck that. I, I'm a first-party controller guy, but when it comes to other accessories, yeah, give me brand X from Amazon. That's fine. Yeah, you know? yep. Um, back to toys. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Joe. There was a lot of uh, new announcements and pre-orders that went up over the last couple days. Uh, it's funny how like an AEW pay-per-view comes along with those type of things. Yes. But I, I did make a I added a lot of stuff to my list. Like, I keep a list of what I need to order and what's been announced versus what's been put up for pre-order. It's like you with comics, but I yeah. do toys. Um, 
So I added a lot of stuff to my list, but a couple of them I just basically said, well, I'll get that when I get it. I'm not paying the sucker's premium. I'm not paying, you know, uh, $5, $10 extra. I'll just wait until it releases and get it for price. But what I did pre-order, and I'll go over them very quickly, I ordered the Target-exclusive Adam Cole figure. Baby. Baby. I ordered the Target-exclusive Ultimate Rock um, which is the him in the, like the tracksuit, like the the Adidas tracksuit. Um, I pre-ordered the Amazon exclusive Hook and Danhausen two pack, yeah. as well as the Amazon exclusive Mox and Brian Danielson two pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing that I pre, I not really a pre-order, but it's supposedly in stock, but the way pro wrestling tees operates, I'm it might as well be a pre-order cause I'll get it in like two months. I bought the one of 3000 shop, AEW hot Goldberg figure, AKA Jade Cargill. Uh, just cause I am a hundred percent on those, sh- those shop, uh, AEW figures, you know? Yeah. Like I said, I, I didn't really need, um, these per se, you know? Sure. Um, like there was a lot of cool announcements. The the hook, uh, Danhausen two pack looks really cool. Um, you know, obviously the Eddie we mentioned earlier is a Walmart exclusive, and I'll need that. Yeah. And we got like renders for stuff and announcements for stuff, but like no dates on anything that I need. Like when we get a date and a pre order on the Ethan Page figure, I'll do that. Sure. Um, it looks like the next Orange Cassidy is at least coming with. Um, the All Atlantic slash international title, and possibly a backpack oh, since the hook yeah. comes in a backpack. So I, that's different enough for me to buy. Yeah, we still have those uh, indie uh, IWTV belts too. Yeah, like, I remember when when we got those. I was looking for like a Barbie backpack to try to <laughs> do the have a Lucy for it. But um, speaking of like pre-orders, I didn't get. There's the ringside hook. That comes with the bag of chips and the backpack and all that stuff. There's the blood and gut, or yeah, blood and guts Wheeler Yuta. There's a ringside uh, Danhausen that looks cool, but they also announced Blade Runner Sting, which looks all. Aw- I mean, it's just a picture of Sting. Just the idea yeah. of it is off. Yeah. Exactly, and uh, there is a uh, a Tay Mello where she's wearing like she has the Brazilian flag and the face paint. Like that was a great look that they're finally doing a figure of. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff upcoming, but I feel like I kept it within restraint by only ordering one, two, three, four, five figures, uh, and staying away from the ringside pre-orders. You know. But uh, do you have anything else purchase wise? No, like I said, I, I ordered those two things together. So you know, like let's say that was my one purchase this week. Gotcha. All right. So I did uh, in the wild today. I tweeted this out as well. I found the Walmart exclusive Supreme Kenny Omega. Uh, yeah, I, I saw the picture of that. You'd you'd sent that out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I was actually I I went to uh, the Honesdale Walmart for those not in the area. It's probably like what maybe a half hour from here, forty minutes from here. I was just okay. like, hey, I had I had some podcasts to listen to, so I listened to that. And I got there, and it was the only one sitting on the shelf, and it was this minty, minty mint. So I was like, I let out a little nerdy like gasp. I was like, oh, it's here. So I was happy to check that off my list. But that's my last wrestling figure. I do have one other purchase, and I don't know how much you've heard about this uh, this endeavor, this very ambitious endeavor. Uh, maybe uh, somebody else stooged off on it, but I bought a gaming headset. For my PlayStation 5, 
And Joe, I have never, ever, ever played an online game before. Like for any of the systems that I've had, like every PlayStation, a bunch of Xboxes and stuff like that. I've never played online. People have always been trying to get me to play online. But I was talking to Todd and we both decided, I don't know if you've heard of this brand new game that just came out called Grand Theft Auto V. Mm. And by brand new, I mean it's it came out in 2013, I think. Uh, but we both basically decided that we want to play the online version on the PS5. We want to play GTA Online because of the fact we were just doing all like we were all nostalgic of like, oh, man, Grand Theft Auto 6 is still like a year away. And I brought it up to him that like, hey, there is way more content online than there was on actually the physical disc you know as far as missions and stuff to do i was like why don't we just play online you know we'll get together we'll get find some like-minded individuals and uh todd shares the sentiment that i i did that that i'm old and i'm scared of technology when it comes to that sure Uh, but we both agreed a gentleman's agreement that we would do it you know like basically commit to one month of playstation plus uh, buy a cheap headset. So I think I paid like 25 bucks for a headset. Um, and I dove in and I bought the membership. I bought the headset and I signed up and Todd is dragging his feet. Like, Hmm, maybe if I see you playing it, like, I'm like, come on, dude. I was like, this is bullshit. So I'm playing it like the last couple days. And you know, for the most part, people are cool, but like every once in a while you drop into a server and just people are just hunt. Like it's like landing on the beaches of Normandy. When you go into these servers, like you're just getting mowed down by level 1000s and you're just like a level two. But uh, yeah, long story short, Todd abandoned me. I bought a headset. Uh, if there's anybody out there that has GTA five and a PlayStation five and they want to play, they want to join my gang. Let me know. But that's my last purchase. I've been playing Grand Theft Auto late nights recently. <laughs> I'll give Todd a hard time when we uh, record Longbox next week. But, um, yeah, are you going to have a Twitch channel now? <laughs> uh, somebody suggested that to me a long time ago, to do that. Um, nah, like, I... I, I, I <laughs> I actually, because I mentioned it to Todd, I was like, I should film it because whenever you search for GTA, like streamers on YouTube, it's always these people that are really, really, really good at the game. And I feel like my niche would be that, like, I know nothing and I haven't touched Grand Theft Auto since 2013 or 2014. And I've never played online, certainly not GTA online, but just online in general. And just having the babe out of the woods experience, like, I would be like that divine lady in trying to walk in the ECW ring like I would just be falling over so that could have been the corner that I would have marketed but non I'm just gonna embarrass myself in private you know all right I'm just saying you can probably make a couple bucks with some uh twitch subscriptions get some people sign you up um I don't know I'm just looking at ways to make money put it on the patreon put the videos on the patreon of you playing the game hmm see I would have to get like that's that's some startup money so because uh, I don't know how to stream any of that. And can you hook a PlayStation 5 up? I was, usually they do that with like a computer, don't they? There's I ways that you can do there's there's ways that you could do it. These are all questions that somebody else can solve for me and I'll give them the Ed's twelve percent of the Patreon money. Exactly. But that's all I have, Joe. 
All right. Well, listen, uh, it's a very productive week for you traveling, buying tons of shit that you don't need. It's a exactly what I like to hear from Adam, you know? Yeah, it's been a rough week, but I feel like I rebounded. Okay. That's right. You, you drown yourself in toys, as we all do, you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, yeah, so listen, hey, everyone, thank you very much uh, for listening. And I didn't plug, you know, we mentioned it a little bit in passing, um, but I did not plug the upcoming LVAC show, which is in two weeks, because it's sold out. Um, yeah. They announced two matches and a couple talent. Three matches, my apologies. Uh, they announced three matches, a couple of the talent, five matches. I never know who the bands are. I don't go for the bands. Maybe you go for the bands. Uh, that's not my bag, baby. Um, but yeah, um, maybe you got a ticket and maybe I'll see you there. Um, if not, you know, um, you know, I think, oh, you know what? I can, I got to put this in the show notes here as well. The, um, DVD, uh, just came out through Smart Mark Video. Um, the, the DVD at MP4 of the last show, uh, just came out, uh, from our good friends at Smart Mark Video on what would have been... Monday, so I'll include all that in the show notes here as well. Yeah, and LVAC said that they may have 20 tickets available for walk-ups, so get there early if you did not pre-order a ticket. Yeah, I wouldn't take my chances. Yeah. <laughs> but, alright, good show. Yep, uh, so this was episode 244 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, be safe out there, and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.